wedding videos. Why would you do that? Welcome to the Way Up North podcast. This is where we get to know the speakers presenting at Europe's wedding photography conference, Way Up North. We're not interested in which apertures they use or what they carry in their camera bags. Instead, we aim to get to know them a little bit better as people. My name is Jacob, and in a few moments you'll hear my colleague Cole interviewing Brian Morrow. Brian Morrow, the man with the coolest business name in the industry. Half shark, half pig. Shark pig. If you aren't familiar with Brian's legendary wedding videos, go Google him right away. And if you're curious about the story of the business name, SharkPig, you'll uh, hear all about it in a few minutes. This is the last of the speakers uh, leading up to Way Up North in Rome. And uh, this will also be the last podcast for a while. But uh, not to worry, we'll be back in a few months uh, with more podcasts for Way Up North Stockholm. All right, back to SharkPig. Here's Cole's conversation with Brian Morrow. So I'm uh, I'm in a closet right now. Oh yeah, because <laughs> the bird the birds were chirping too loud outside, so we would be listening to birds this whole talk. So instead, I'm surrounded by diapers and shit. Shit, oh. <laughs> like I guess. Uh, anyways, <laughs> where are you? Diapers without shit. Um, Hopefully, I'm in my living room slash uh, my my girlfriend's office in my house. Oh, cozy. Which is, should be pretty quiet. It's carpeted. <laughs> nice. We do live next to the train. Where live... do you, where do you live? I actually have no idea. And I think you're in California, right? Yeah, in Los Angeles. And uh, we live in the Highland Park neighborhood of Los Angeles. Born and raised in LA or? No, I was born and raised in Wyoming. Wyoming? Yeah. When I think of Wyoming, I just associate with great hunting and fishing. Uh, Yeah. There, there, those things in there for sure is that did you grow up that way how did you grow up uh i didn't grow up that way although so, some people in my family are i grew up fishing and stuff i never went hunting but that's because i grew up um i don't think my mom probably was that down with hunting fair play um she's like a uh how do i put how do i broach the subject <laughs> um <laughs> well you could skip it we could skip it, <laughs> but it'll probably come up later. She's like, um, was really active in a, a movement, the transcendental meditation movement. What so, is that? I don't know if you remember seeing or or hearing about like the Beatles for a while hung out with this guy, the Maharishi, in the sixties, uh, for a little bit. Is there's some like kind of famous photos of them together and stuff? It was like their Indian phase. Well, anyway, that dude was kind of like he uh, devoted himself to trying to get everybody to learn how to meditate uh, together so that he thought that it would cause like enough good vibes basically to create world peace. <laughs> wow. Cool idea. So anyway, like lots and lots of people learned, including my parents who were pretty into it both um, and then. So, uh, and I ended up going to the college. There's a college associated with it that I ended up going to. So no way that, yeah, that's so interesting. It it sounds like a great idea on paper. Everyone just meditates and problems fade away. 
yeah, there's there were some definitely good ideas in there. Um, he he died uh, in like I don't know a number of years ago, like six years ago, I think, or something, or maybe a little bit more. So does this idea live on? Like with you, do you is this a, kind of are you a meditative guy? Uh, you know, my practice it, the 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 practice that it sets up is supposed to be two two meditations a day, and uh, if I'm being honest, I can't quite get to that anymore just because of a time constraint. Or you know what? It's not even a time constraint. It's a it's a level of exhaustion that I've achieved <laughs> that you can't really like experience subtle layers of awareness when you're completely exhausted like i am but interesting like i've never meditated in my life i I visualized i played sports a lot growing up and visualizing is like is a key part of that but like for a guy who's never meditated before like why would i do it stress release yeah um yeah it's 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 pretty pleasant (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be like seem like I'm selling you on it or anything. Well, it's okay because like I have a good friend who's uh, he's an English guy who lives in Vancouver. His name is Sachin Kona. I don't know if you know him or not. He's a wedding photographer. He's a great guy, and he's always sharing these um, things about meditation on Facebook and things like that. And every time I see it, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should try it. Hmm, maybe I should. Oh try yeah, it. yeah. I'm pretty sure he is actually talking about this the same particular brand. Uh, of meditation that I'm talking about. Although there's, you know, obviously there's thousands of different ways that you can go about it. But I talked to him recently uh, and I, I think that he has been doing transcendental meditation. <laughs> okay. So to round it all out, <laughs> you're not necessarily a hunter, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, to say that I, I'm from Wyoming, but raised yeah. by, um, you know, pretty quintessentially hippie, peace loving parents. So the, the whole hunting thing, maybe didn't sit as well with with my branch of the family <laughs> was it re- was it really like that growing up like kind of like uh well you said it yourself there it was like a hippie environment growing up or like describe how you grew up uh only it would be only inside my house because back then like uh, in wyoming nobody really meditated now you know it's just like you said everybody meditates or knows about it or at least it's not weird to talk about it but like in the 1980s in Wyoming, yeah, it was pretty weird. <laughs> I don't think it usually we didn't really bring it up, and that's not wouldn't be exactly representative of how I was like brought up. Um, I grew up with my my parents separated, um, basically right around the time that I was born, and I grew up with my mom and my big sister. And I mean, yeah, I don't know. What do you want to know? <laughs> Well, you grew that that's right there. I mean, that, stuff like that. I'm just kind of interested about your background and if you grew up kind of, you know, in a house with your sister and your mom. I mean, that that's that's kind of like an interesting path to go to get to where you are now. So, how did you kind of like get from Wyoming to being a, a filmmaker in LA? Like what's the short version of that? I went to I went to film school at the school that I was just describing to you the Maharishi University of Management <laughs> really which is not a that's crazy academically rigorous film program I wouldn't say exactly but I did 
live across the hallway from a guy, Jonathan Lynch, who is now my business partner in Shark Pig. And we learned how to make films together and we still work together now. Okay, so so you did go to film school straight away, like after high school. It, mm-hmm. it, did you always kind of envision yourself being an artist? Um, am I an artist? <laughs> well, you're you're creating things. I think cre- creation is sort of like uh, the most simple definition of an artist. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I don't I I don't know if I knew. I don't know if I knew, and I don't know if I buy that anybody really knows as like a 17 or 18 year old kid what they're trying to do with their life because I hadn't even experienced very much I mean I don't think I'd even ever eaten sushi oh, really oh, was this? <laughs> well Wyoming's pretty landlocked there's not a lot of good sushi there. <laughs> well it, it is Wyoming and the way you were raised it, was it kind of like an isolated place and what I mean by isolated is like I grew up in an isolated place in northern British Columbia and Canada and in this isolated environment, there's not a lot of kind of like, I don't know, people who think outside of the box, if you want to put it that way. It's kind of like a homogenous community. Is that kind of how you grew up, would you say? Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's not a, It's not really, it's, it's a sort of a, like my hometown, it's not a super small town where it's like gossipy and this and that or uh and it's not it's not a city either it's the biggest it's the capital of Wyoming but there's only 50,000 people there and Wyoming is just a very big empty place um <laughs> so oh, wow. it's full of it's full of like so much natural beauty um but not a yeah not a ton of like arts and culture or really or anything like that going on there well we, we live we live pretty close to Denver and so it's not, I, w- I don't think I would classify it as like it was isolated or it was, uh, no, I don't think that it was like, oh, I'm from a small town and I didn't really know about mm. this kind of thing, especially the way that my mom brought me up um, is, you know, always encouraging creativity and she'd get me like art supplies, pads of paper, anything to like, or just. I'm, I'm, I wonder now, thinking about it, if it was to just get me to maybe shut up for a minute. But, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, always encouraging me to draw or paint or tell her a story. Or really, uh, yeah, I'm only now realizing and telling you that that potentially could have been a good distraction technique <laughs> for somebody who talked a lot. <laughs> but uh yeah well like i i, I don't want to like harp too much on your past but it is kind of interesting to me because like when i think about what i think i know about you now like one of the things that stands out is like you do a lot of rapping i think it's shanghai surprise is, oh, yeah. is, and so like to be a rapper i mean you, you don't just like flick a switch when you're you know in your mid-20s or 30 years old or whatever like and i, I get the impression with people who are can rap well I mean, they must have had a, like a pretty wide range of interests throughout their teens and, and to give them kind of a base because rapping, you need to have a lot of cultural points that you can talk on and, and different things. So I don't know what exactly my question is, but that's why I'm bringing up your past because I'm curious, what kind of guy were you growing up and in, into your teens and things like that? I, I learned how to rap in Iowa for sure um, with the, a group of friends who were also sort of the same group of uh, people that I was making films with in film school but we would also just it was almost like I think we just wanted to throw parties 
And so we'd be like, you know what would be fun is if it was like a rap show that you could go to. We'd be like, do you want to just learn how to rap? Like, <laughs> so so like 8 Mile in, in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, no, less intense. More like uh, like kit, more like House Party in Iowa. Um, so Or House Party 2, which is pretty good. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I, I... When I was a teenager, like when I was in Cheyenne... I was a band geek, and I think I kind of looked down on hip hop a little bit in a different way, just because, like, you know, I listened to like a lot of big band and stuff like that because I was a trumpet player. But you were a trumpet player? Yeah, I mean, in school. Oh, okay. I was never that great at it or anything. Okay. But um, my big sister, I remember, would get like a had like a subscription to some magazine where you you got like a little fold out poster of a rapper in it and like her walls were like plastered with that in the 80s like all the old school like you know run dmc slick rick and like those kind of that kind of age of rap so i don't know if she's the one who got that implanted in my brain or what but well it was more just to as an excuse to throw a party (laughs) that's great (laughs) so we wrote an entire album once just to throw a new year's party and then so many people <laughs> it was in a barn in the in the middle of nowhere and so many people showed up to it that it was too much weight for the barn to handle and the floorboards of it started actually just like splintering <laughs> that's not that's not ideal yeah. yeah me and my like my business partner now who I still work with are going should we stop the party i don't know it's a lot of people and he's like look at this and like this is in the middle of the rap show has started happening. This album that we wrote for, is being performed with like choreography and like lighting changes and not not to make it sound slick, it's in a barn, right? In the and it's freezing cold in Iowa. But like we go and look down, we walk down the stairs and look, and the floor is just bowing, oh, jumping up and down to the beat of the music. And we're like, man, I don't know. It's pretty nerve wracking, but uh, <laughs> but the I show must okay. go on. And then and then one of the floorboards just went and just blew up. Like it just the floorboard shattered, and we're like, "Oh, that's it! We're about to kill everybody that we know." And so we we had to stop the show. It was so ironically, never it was just meant to be performed at this one party, and then the party itself ruined the the performance. Wow. Well, well, we'll reel it back to like what you what you do with Shark Pig and things like that. But I'm just to ask a couple more questions about the rap game. Like, like I know you you made the music video last <laughs> year, and it was such a clever video. Like, when when you do things like that, is there like are you taking the piss or are you taking it dead serious? Like, do you do you have aspirations of making music like this? Because I mean, it was it was awesome. I I, I really liked what you did. It's a I guess it's both. I'm not dead serious about it. But I am like what I said in that on that song is true. I believe it to be true. There was a there's a lot of lyric. There was a like lot a, of like a lot of the lyrics were about your dad, weren't they? Well, that that song is sort of about how um, my dad is like a conspiracy theorist, and then I end up believing what he says despite <laughs> trying not to. But he tells me enough that then it like gets in my head. I'm like, oh well, do I believe that because my dad is a conspiracy theorist? Or okay, so that's what that song is about. That whole record, I'm the the guy, this guy Cool Z, 
produced my rap record and is a really prolific musician himself. He's produced a lot of his own like hip hop stuff, but also plays in punk bands and plays is just like constantly creating. He's really uh, I really look up to him in that way. And he was the one who got me to to make that record and he kind of told me, Well it can't be a joke though. It has to be serious. I'm like, but I want it to be funny. He's like, Oh yeah, two totally different things. You can write lyrics that are funny, but you can't make like a joke album. So it's a difference of like, you know, are we making like a parody of rap? No, it's I'm actually trying to like rap about what I my experience and what I think and stuff like that. But am I dead serious about rapping? No, I <laughs> it's just it's just for fun. I mean, I I like that record, but oh, it's cool. I like that video a lot. That was a fun project to work on. Well, the video we're talking about. Where can people? see it and what should they search for if they want to see what we're uh, talking about if you, if you search for shanghai surprise crackpot on uh there's a link on vimeo that you should be able to find pretty easily and yeah it's shot it's it's this one song off my off an ep that i made called crackpot and uh i shot it all over the world while i was just traveling around doing different jobs i would just pick up yeah, it's so it's so, there. yeah it's so clever it's so clever i really like it it took me like three or four years. I think it took me like four years to finish it. So there's some shots in there where it would be like four years older in a cut oh, really? right next to each other. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to go find some of the clothes that I was wearing back in the day and put them back on too. When you like, when you come up with a rap song, is it like, is that meditative for you in a sense? Um, no, it's mostly just, it's just like writing. It's just regular writing style. I'm not a good enough rapper to like, I can't, I don't like, I don't like battle anybody, or I don't really freestyle unless I'm just very drunk. Maybe I would freestyle for because it's a hilariously embarrassing feeling to put yourself through. I'm not like a rapper in that way that it's a, a serious thing. It's more again like even going back to how it was in college. I think it's an excuse to have uh, one one remaining performance thing left. So. I had a one really funny recently um a guy that we work with all the time michael antonia he we shark pig like the wedding side of our company is in a, a collective called the flash dance and i and uh, he runs like the dj side of the flash dance but anyway he uh he was hosting like a big series of pop-up events to launch a new furniture company that he he was like launching and <laughs> i had probably the best or most rewarding like rapping experience that I've had in a long time. Cause a lot of times like you can try and perform at a big party or something like that. But a lot of times people just don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's not really that rewarding because they're like, shut up and put on eighties music. We want to <laughs> dance. Like just who is this guy? Shut up. Um, but it, so at this thing, what we did instead is we both, like I had a set of headphones and a mixer and I would rap privately for people, like in public. So just sit down on a couch, and no I'd be way. like, "Choose any song that you want. Here's all the songs you can choose." And then they just put on headphones. I'd be like, "Can you hear in the mic? Can you hear me?" And they were like noise canceling headphones. So there's a whole pop up like oh, a yeah. party going on, but it was just me and this one person. <laughs> and I committed to myself to look them in the eyes for the entire time that they would look back in my eyes if they if they could look away if they wanted but i would look them in the eyes 
oh my goodness, it was the most embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) It was so embarrassing. Why? It was so potently embarrassing. I don't know why. It just didn't fly? No, no, it flew great. It worked great. It was exactly what I wanted it to be, which was taking it like a a tiny steer into the performance art world. Oh, totally, yeah. Are we cultivating a a potent emotion here? And it definitely did. It was really fun. I mean, it was hilarious. It was great. So we'll we'll cue this up then for Rome, all right? Sure, yeah. (laughs) I don't know what the Italians, if they speak English well enough to understand, but maybe that'll make it even better. Yeah, it might <laughs> might help my lyrical content if it's not completely if some of it is lost. <laughs> Do you have a favorite like a favorite rap lyric? Um, I don't know, not off the top of my head. Michael and I were have been working on uh this presentation that's all about like like mining rap lyrics for creatives. Um and like in the history of like hip hop and and DJing and stuff, but during that process I uh I don't know. I don't know if I could say one one lyric is ah, a favorite. That's fine. All right, man. So let's reel it back a little bit to the world of the shark pig. Um, okay. One thing that I was kind of curious about is, uh, like, you work with kind of like the corporate heavyweights. Like, you've done projects with McDonald's and, you know, Wired. Name Name a big company and you've worked with them. And at the same time, you do weddings, which is a completely different client. It's like Michelle and Jimmy getting married in Iowa or or whatever. Like, you know, it's like a couple, like normal people. What's the balancing act like for you to, like, work with those two totally different worlds and still create something that is uh, consistent amongst those two different worlds, if you want to put it like that? Well, they complement each other really well, actually. And if in if you can, uh, what I try to do, what my business partner and I try to do, is keep them uh, working simultaneously by sort of like one feeds the other. So like the advertising side, advertising is not really like you don't really have to do anything creative except problem solve you you have to do that a lot and you have to be you have to creatively remain flexible to see a project through amongst like a lot of uh you know sudden changes and stuff but the thing you brought up is like when you're dealing the bigger the the corporate client the bigger the name is the more people involved with how what they're really trying to create sometimes you know like a, a lot of people and then once you create it you need to get it approved by a lot more people and that's like a it's running a it up the ladder yeah. kind of scenario and then the person at the very top could just watch what you made and go I hate it I want it to be like this and then all those people would just change it behind that person what they think of that one viewing so it's 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 a uh, yeah it's not there's not a lot left in there for the creative process really okay. In terms of like a genuine fulfilling like I'm envisioning this that's really at the very beginning of it there's a lot of people doing that coming up with ideas and or kind of like coming up with ideas of how to execute a concept but it's so many people and a lot of times even like corporate lawyers are involved and oh wow <laughs> they say you sounds can't like fun that. yeah so it's not it's not really that creative but 
in in contrast, like in the exact opposite, weddings are direct to your client. There's just two people that are your client and just get them what they want. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so they they kind of they do balance each other or like the the income even balances each other really well where we have ten shooters who go around and shoot weddings for shark pig weddings and you you probably know that it's like most people or this is the way our business works is that we work off a deposit system so half of our income for that company is is in our bank account you know months and months in advance and that really is nice because advertising can have some really big budgets but it can also have some valleys where you maybe don't no one calls for a little while and we as a company are a lot more comfortable <laughs> than some of our counterparts mm. some of our competition because if no one is calling for a few weeks for advertising it's like oh let's just work on the wedding company right now anyway and yeah. we have that bedrock of we understand how much money we're going to make on that company side for a year in advance so it's very nice to it it's just like it supports the advertising side in that way which came and then first. the advertising side like supports the wedding company by being able to get like a studio or you know if we have like a good windfall like a good budget where we actually make enough money we can invest that back into some gear or you know it's just, they they're really they're nice how they work together it seems because they they really are very opposite um ways of making videos like and I think it's mostly because of the client. You're not dealing with 60 people. You're just dealing with two people. Uh, but it's there if you can. Or for us, anyway, I I would wouldn't want to have one without the other. Oh really? Yeah. Well, I I sort of jumped in there, um, and I was going to ask like, which came first, and did you kind of have a vision for what Shark Pig would be when you began? Well, um, we were both both. Jonathan and I were working like freelance, just film and television freelance stuff, just trying to make our way up that ladder. And he made it quite a lot further than me. He's actually like a union um, locations manager who has done some pretty big shows and stuff like that. I was further down than him, and I think it was because I have like a bad ADD kind of, even in a career where I would jump from department to department. I did a lot of different, just like day rate jobs, art department, and tried to become an assistant director, and I tried to do locations when he would get me a job, and all these different things I'd kind of like try to get good-ish at, but then <laughs> if you don't really just work in one and just kind of plow through it, it's it's very hard to to advance in that system and yeah then I I stopped doing it and decided to see what would be up if we just started making some wedding videos and and I thought of that as a big uh, in, initially I, I thought of that as being a big failure actually I thought I'm giving up on my dream of you know I moved out to LA to be like in the Hollywood system and someone is going to start making wedding videos. I'm like, oh, I don't, <laughs> you know, like the people that I work with, like we say, I haven't really seen you around. What have you been doing? I'm like, oh, I've been making some <clears throat> wedding videos. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you've been what? You've been on what? A show? I've been making <clears throat> <laughs> wedding videos. Why would you do that? 
But the thing that's so awesome about it is when there, first of all, that's just a stigma about the wedding industry that is completely wrong. Now, once I got into the business, I met the most dynamic, you know, all these different people who are entrepreneurs who own their own business. They handle their own marketing. They do, you know, the whole thing is theirs. They're not putting it. It's not like they work in a department of a massive machine like in the Hollywood system where you work as, you know, in the locations department, for instance, and you don't even have anything to do with production or you know, art department or accounting or people in the wedding industry are like, yeah, I do all that myself for my own company. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. And then I found all these people who came from advertising or who have these other like really brilliant creative hobbies that go along with it. And then they're all traveling all around the world all the time. And like it's like having these big parties. I was like, wait a second, the wedding industry rules. <laughs> and, and then, um, so yeah, that I took that departure for a while, just doing weddings and got that company going. And then that led to some of the advertising and was able to partner in a official way with my business partner based on one kind of bigger corporate client that we got in the early part of it. So there was only a small time when it was just weddings, really. Okay. There was only a short stint where it was just weddings. And it was, it was like, I basically didn't do anything except weddings. It was that one of those years where I was like shooting three different weddings in a weekend in three different cities kind of hustle. Um, but it led almost immediately to being able to launch the, the corporate side of it as well. Were you Shark Pig from the get-go, or were you ever going by your own name or, or maybe a different name? No, it was Shark Pig. It was always Shark Pig. Well, that, like, I love that name, and I'm sure you hear that quite often. And like it, like when I hear it, it's like, damn, I wish I would have thought of that. Like, it's just such a clever name. So, like, <laughs> did it just come to you, or did, was there, like, no. a deeper thought behind it? It took approximately five years of thinking to find it. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Me and my business partner wanted to go and into business together um, at, at an earlier point. We were kind of like, why don't we just start our own company? We had this conversation a long time before we actually were able to. And it was a whole, we were just sort of in over our heads like, are we um, the, kind of the chicken before the egg? How do you get clients if you don't have clients? And if you don't have clients, how do we launch or what do we say? You know, it's just like we weren't quite there. But one thing that came up was, and what would we call it? And like, yeah, what would, what would the name be? And we started thinking about that and having that conversation, which was this then text volley. And at first, all my ideas were so stupid and I'm so glad that it didn't work out like all these sciencey names like oh let's call it like what if we call it like isotope or you know something like that <laughs> or catalyst or something and and then anything that was like actually kind of good ish I would google it and it would be already a production company in Los Angeles <laughs> be oh, like, oh, okay okay so that's out and it just went forever it went forever like that you know, just trying to, or make like a pun kind of, you know, yeah. a name that's a plan words or something like that and go, well, it makes it memorable like that. But is it kind of like going to get annoying if we have to answer the phone with this joke forever? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to do that. And then I was just, yeah, one night over at a friend's place 
and shark big i should come up with a lie for where we came up with it that's a better story but here's the truth is i was over at a friend's place and we always called his dog a pig because he kind of snort when he walked around and he was under the table sort of moving back and forth in a shark-like pattern uh looking for scraps under the table and i said this pig is sharking around down here and it was like the cartoon light bulb goes off in my above my head like i bet my eyes actually went like ding on open wide said that's it that's it and everybody at that at that party was small like a dinner gathering was just like we have no idea what you're talking about you want to name a wedding video company shark pig and i'm like that is it i've got it guys it's eureka you know and they're like (laughs) they're like i don't think that's a very good name i'm like oh really what do you think would be a better name? Think about it for five years and get back to me. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. It is no better name. I've been thinking about it for forever. This is the name. And then, yeah, it just, it's stuck. And it is, it's good. It's, it's served us so well because you can remember. If you say it, you can usually get people to remember. But I love when we're making commercials because, like, you know, the, the production coordinators and supervisors, well, basically all you do is you're just like, on the phone dealing with details in those roles, just booking things, renting things, making deals with all the crew, crewing up all the arranging everything, but so much of it is done on the phone, so I'll just hear them in the office all day long. I'm calling from Shark Pig. Uh, Like the two animals, no, shark, no, shark. Yeah, shark and then pig. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I'm calling to see if you guys have a, (laughs) it's like over and over again, the explanation. I'm like, yes. Explain it to everyone in LA for me. <laughs> that's that's really great, man. I I really like that name. It's it's classic. So you you've got a a pretty uh, a pretty interesting like set of interests, and you kind of just alluded to it slightly there with catalysts like you're you're into into science and astronomy and things like that if i read correctly is that true yeah at a completely idiotic level <laughs> but yeah i mean i'm fascinated by it but i'm not a it, i don't mean like i've studied it at all or anything except my own my own just layman's understanding of it so like that type of <laughs> I don't know exactly where I'm going to go with this I'm going to try and think of my feet here because I want to like poke <laughs> poke at you a little bit for this uh, like with astronomy and science and all that is it is it just something that like you're like oh cool that's like where the world began or or do you like do science experiments or like what, what kind of involvement do you have with science and astronomy I think I wanted to be kind of a a scientist when I was a kid I used to be really involved in it and it was sort of a a nerdy kid but it's just when you like once you get to the college level if you want to become a scientist it's sort of like what the jobs are is like yeah and then maybe you could work in a lab I was just like what but what is like where do you are there people who like are mixing things and blowing stuff up and this and that like maybe some or they're blowing stuff up if they're like scientists who work for the military i'm like oh no no that's not what i just didn't really know where to take it in a professional sense but i think i was always interested in it and yeah i'm just interested in it because it it's 
um, it's so in like almost all the any of the facts that you get into with like uh, astronomy or you, you know just like little things that are like the very first stepping stone to get into like what scientists deal with they would say this is the most very basic thing that you need to know like the speed of light or something <laughs> it's like to comprehend when you just think about it like offer up any of these topics they're so insane like the scale of it and scope of it is so wild to try to comprehend that I think it's just good compliment for me to have like a a very big idea helps me kind of in my creative process. I spoke with uh, Sam Hurd a while ago, and he's uh, he's really into like audio. That's his big thing. I mean, he's a photographer, but audio is, he, he says, like, that's where the nuts and bolts of everything are. He's way more interested in audio, is what he said. And he's got an interest in science as well. So so I kind of, like, bring up Sam because I'm curious if science actually helps your work in any way. It definitely does. Do you have an example of, the, of how? I Well, I think that it's just a matter of <clears throat> everybody is probably experienced having, like, what they call creative blocks or writer's block or and and for the the new age of not just being a writer but being a creative entrepreneur um it's not just writer's block it's it can be you know like you said we're we're all thinking on our feet of how to we're all like running our own businesses and our own marketing team and our own it's like kind of all up to us so besides just i don't just mean creative in terms of like fine art, like, oh, uh, I'm having a creative block because I'm trying to write a poem. What I consider to be, as a business owner, you're running up against a lot of creative problem solving and kind of like just creating whole uh, concepts for marketing or even just creating like systems for how to operate. All that stuff is happening like at a, I think for the people who are successful, it's happening at a near constant pace. You're just always doing that. And it really helps me to, like I said, it's, it's, like a, it's like a shock to the brain to be like, well, think about this instead for a minute. <laughs> like, um, and to do, it's like a, you know, a cold shower or something like that. And then to be able to leave the, what can also seem like overwhelming, like the amount of tasks or details when you're really busy, seems like very important and all consuming and then you think about the fact that the whole planet is just this little speck of nothing or something that kind of for some reason some people think that that's like a nihilistic way of thinking but I sort of am comforted by it I'm like oh don't worry about anything I mean none of it matters at all our entire planet is just like a little tiny speck of dust (laughs) isn't that exactly how a nihilist thinks yeah, yeah, but for some reason that makes me comforted in the as opposed to then people. Sometimes I tell that to people, and they're like, "So we should just jump off a bridge?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, that's not what I mean at all. I meant like just take it easy. It's, it's cool. It's cool. It's all cool. Whatever you want to do is fine. So it's okay. But don't murder people or anything. <laughs> so, so you're a pretty easygoing guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. Yeah, I don't know. I never. Maybe I should stop trying to use that example. No, it's good. It's good. I tried I... to get it across to people before about like, hey, I know you're worried about like, you think that you like, 
it's intense that you have like six conference calls next week, but the entire earth is a pointless speck of dust. So. We're nearing the end. <laughs> yeah. We're doomed. Our, our, our galaxy is going to crash into a different galaxy eventually and everyone will die. It'll be cool. <laughs> no one will probably even be alive still when that happens. It'd be magnificent. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Where do I go from here? So that's Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> I, that, that's a, I derailed you. But no, man. No, no, no. Sad. You know, you know what you made me think of there. Actually, I was I was with my kids at the Swedish um, History Museum, a Natural History Museum, and I touched a meteorite the other day, and it was like the, well, the oldest one that's ever like landed in Sweden, and I think that we could probably like connect that somehow to an ecosystem, maybe. Do you feel like your business is part of an ecosystem? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's. And I would consider an economy basically the human it, humans copy nature all around them all the time, and I think that it, the economy is sort of an ecosystem as well. And your your business is as as functions within those same sort of operating laws. And I don't mean corporate laws like what's on paper. I mean sort of like. It mimics the laws of nature. Okay, okay, so to spin off that, that was a really bizarre segue. It made no sense looking back on it. But now that we're on this topic, I'm kind of interested because like what you're referring to there, I guess, could be like the macro ecosystem and, and your involvement with that. But on a micro level, where you fill in the blanks, and, and, and what I mean with this is like where you fill in the blanks within your network of people, like with Michael and Tony and Flashdance and um, Whitney with our labor of love. And like you guys all kind of cooperate together. So I kind of, I'm thinking of that level, like a micro ecosystem of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you, those are, those are symbiotic relationships uh, to look at it from like an ecosystem perspective. They, uh, we all get something from each other and we all give something else to each other. So that to be able to find something like that, that, that works and everybody is kind of, cause it, it would be, you know, we wouldn't want to be a parasite <laughs> of one of those other companies. So yeah, it, it helps to have those, to, to have those people like, um, to be able to have a, an organic kind of relationship with other companies like that. So if anyone's listening to the podcast, um, kind of like what I referred to there might not, might not make sense, but basically to sum it up, like what is your relationship with these different parties and like what, what's your piece of the puzzle compared to theirs? Specifically with Michael and yeah, Whitney? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so we, you know, we formed Whitney was the one who really kind of like Whitney is a marketing genius. That guy, he's, his mind is so flexible in terms of being able to be like thinking outside the box that people say, and I'm doing air quotes here, but, um, he's, he's the king of that. And so he was way out in front of me or Michael in terms of getting into the wedding industry. And he was kind of like what I would consider revolutionizing wedding photography with the company that, that he and Jesse and that whole crew started our labor of love. And I was working for Michael as a PA in an advertising uh, thing at the time. And Michael's, and we're on a pretty big campaign. We were traveling together and doing like this guerrilla marketing stuff. And he was like, yeah, this is my last job. I'm quitting. I'm going to become a wedding DJ. And I'm just like, 
um, what? <laughs> like, you're doing what? Why? And and they and he was like, yeah, no, 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 but it's going to be cool. Like, just doing it the same way we'll do it. anything. I'm not going to, like, say corny jokes on the mic and play YMCA. I'm going to play the same stuff that I already play. At that point in time, he's like, I don't know if you know, but I'm a DJ. I was a club DJ in New York. I cut my teeth, like, playing every night for years in, in clubs. And so, like, I know how to really play a party, and that's what we're going to do. And so he was – that's – the initial way that they those two guys founded the collective the flash dance and then i was just working for them um make them like a little something a video for their blog or something like that and the conversation came up which is just like do you guys ever want me to make a video for a wedding or is that not something that you want and they're kind of like no 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 wedding videos are cheesy man and, and i was like, like exactly <laughs> I'm like, well, excuse me, wedding photographers are cheesy. Wedding DJs are cheesy. You, you, I mean, what are we talking about? I know how to, I'm like, I know how to do it. Like, I could do it. It would be no problem. And they're kind of like, well, yeah, I don't know if you want to try something. And then I had, we had some Super 8 film um, randomly that had been shot of my business partner's wedding. And so we just got a hold of that, but it had never really been anything done with it. And so I got a hold of that and transferred it and just cut something together and showed them. And they were kind of like, dude, this rules. Do you think you could do something like that? I'm like, yeah, it's easy. It's fine. <laughs> and then they just, it just like it blew up. You and know? the rest is history. So it was, so yeah. And, and what do I get from, you know, the collective is, is, first of all the entire marketing system was set up and ready to go and so it was like ready to just blow up I didn't have to create that whole thing and for that I'm just will be eternally grateful to Michael and Whitney and then what we offer is that we're able to you know c contribute to the pot to that side of it to do the video side which is like when we throw a big party you know, back in the day when those guys were like starting lasers and blazers or the first one was called air horns and lasers. We can actually just shoot a video of that and then put that up. That helps so much with the next one to sort of explain what it looks like and feels like. And, and it's, it's yeah. just a very good, like almost mini ad agency to have a team of photographers, a team of DJs and a team of videographers. But the real thing is to have a group of people who are in, in marketing who <laughs> are, mar you know, we were all working in marketing before. So it makes it, it's not a big stretch for us to be like, we could just do a little stunt here or there that would help out yeah. explaining this to everybody. So, so yeah, I, th I mean, I think we contribute a lot to the collective and, and help keep it going. And like, I have no interest in ever getting out of my, my interest with weddings is to never get out of it. I would like it to just be a place that like my kid could work. And I don't have a kid. I don't have. A, I don't have any kids. So it's like my thought is like I wanted to just keep going as a way of generating income and sort of like supporting my other company. Like I was saying. So. Well, to jump in there, like wedding, like wedding photographers and wedding videographers, I think kind of might think a little bit the same way in that there's a lifespan and in, in what we do, and that you should be constantly thinking of an exit strategy but you kind of just alluded there to wanting to do this for the, for the long game and i i don't i think that there's also this thing about kind of some, some sort of burnout rate 
or or something as though you should that it's a it's as though they take the stigma I was describing earlier like that I was saying like I had to say I was doing wedding videos under my breath to my like film and TV production friends but the reality was the stigma is wrong I met all the all the opportunities for my actual career in film happened through the by going through the wedding portal <laughs> so it wasn't happening by doing it in Hollywood you know I'd been working on it for years and it wasn't happening I was not climbing up the ladder I was moving sideways kind of I understand and I just don't I don't know people like hate on it as a job or sort of go they I hear so many photographers like oh yeah weddings blah 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 but I, what I really want to do is fashion I'm just like I mean, if creatively what you really want to do is fashion, I support that you should do that as well because you should try to be fulfilled and, and you should almost never be, you know, stop being kind of like hungry to, to change and diversify and like flex those skills. But like, I don't know. I think weddings are a good job. I just think it's a really good job. I've had a lot of terrible jobs, <laughs> I guess, because I still think that weddings are like really there's just so many advantages to to it it's a good business well i'm sold i'll stick around for a while longer and keep doing it i like that well, right and i mean <laughs> it's not it's i also don't only do them so yeah, I yeah get of course that that's maybe that would be the thing that if i only was doing them i might have burnt out yeah. right now well t as we're kind of like winding down here a little bit i think like the the most important thing i wanted to ask you was like what was it like meeting bill clinton Oh yeah, <laughs> um, it was well. Well, you were a young buck, right? I was really young. I was <laughs> sixteen or fifteen. Uh, I think I was I was fifteen, about to turn sixteen. But I um, I got elected to. I, I was part of this program called Boys State, which is put on by the American Legion, which is uh, like a veterans organization, community organization. And yeah, I went to Boys State, and it's a mock state congress for the week, uh, or that was how it was described. And it was supposed to be really good for your, um, what do they call it before it's a resume when you're still in school, like your um, school records or whatever to get into colleges. So oh my god, <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. What is that called? Remember, it's like really uh, good for your on transcripts your, on your transcripts, I guess. And anyway, I went to this thing. It's like right at the beginning of summer, like right when we got out of school. Then we go to this thing, and I thought it was going to be like a mock Congress. And um, instead, it was more, it was sort of that in a veiled way of being more like a military recruitment thing. Oh, really? <laughs> um, and which is just, I'd, I'm just like, there's no way. I'm doing, you know, I already know I don't need to think about it that deeply, even at that point in my life that uh, the military is not for me. And so um, <laughs> I was just kind of, <clears throat> I don't know, uh, upset that I was there for a week and didn't know what I was getting myself into. And so I was being very, I don't know how to say this, uh, annoying to them. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you, cause you kind of campaign to get elected to the next level. And my, campaign was I guess sort of meta which was just that I'm like I'm not participating in this in that way <laughs> but I will tell you a speech right now which is funny and then I got voted up and up and then eventually they even kind of tried to tell me like 
no, I don't think you're going because somebody who who takes this seriously should go. And I'm like, this is the program that you made and they elected me to go. How can we undo? I mean, how can you say what you're saying? I have to go now to Washington because your program elected me to go. So I got elected as like the national representative from Wyoming with one other kid (laughs) to go to the Boys Nation part of it. And um, Bill Clinton, like 35 years previously, had also been elected to Boys Nation and and met with JFK. And Kennedy told that group of kids, like, I really do believe one of you could become president one day. And and then Clinton did. And so Clinton was flipped out about it and loved it. And he wanted to meet with all of us individually, which was so nice and uh, generous with his time. And so we, you know, we just, we went to a press conference in the Rose Garden and then we went, um, and just sort of like lined up down this big hallway near the Oval Office and he had us come in one at a time. There was a staff photographer there, but otherwise it was just us. And he just sat and talked to us one at a time. Holy shit. Yeah, all 100 of us. It was really cool. It was like overwhelming in a way. I've, I've met a bunch of celebrities just from film work, but I've never had the experience of like, uh, whoa, like a vibe from somebody wow. that powerful. And I'm not saying, forget politics. If you're listening to this and you're like, but Clinton, blah, 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 about this or that. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying I was overwhelmed because I'm a a, a strip, strict Democrat or this or that. I'm just saying at an energy level, he's a, you walk in and first of all, he's a really tall guy with broad shoulders and like, the cartoons that the way they used to draw him with the big bulbous nose, like almost Rudolph nose. That's true. He has like an amazing notable nose. And then he's just so charismatic. But the real thing is, you know, the the president of the United States is one of the most powerful jobs in the world. And you could feel it. in the room oh, really? You walked in as a 15 year old kid from Wyoming meeting, (laughs) shaking hands with one of the most powerful people in the world. Yeah, I could feel it. It was intense and it was felt awesome. So I kind of sort of brought that up in a little way because I'm curious if you do, if you are a political guy, so a political guy. And what I like, what I mean is like, do you, obviously you have your opinions and, and whatnot, but do you, participate politically in anything like i'm not talking about charities necessarily i'm talking about like actual politics like democrat rallies or whatever you might do um i i i don't know a little bit yeah here and there like i i volunteered and did some stuff for obama's campaign when he was uh when he was first running and i try to be aware of the scenario at least of what's going on and be active as like at a citizen level but i don't do anything anymore about like at a volunteer level okay well you must feel pretty optimistic then i guess about the next election (laughs) as as an american i mean i'm just it's completely psycho what's going on but we'll see well we don't need to get into a debate but if you if you are a democrat which i think you might be maybe Maybe there's room for optimism if the craziness continues on the Republican side. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, hopefully. I basically, my my political stance is I'll, I'll vote for and support 
anyone who will actually try to change things because it seems I would say whichever side of the aisle you fall on we could probably agree that there's a lot of things about the system that are really messed up and so if there's a candidate that comes along who wants to radically change things I usually (laughs) am like in support of being like you can go and try because you know there's a lot of inertia going the other way of to not change it but I I just get excited by anybody who Okay, who so maybe I read maybe an actual change. Maybe I read <laughs> maybe I read you totally wrong then there. Oh, I don't know. Okay, well I mean, I'll also be I'm one of the maybe one of the few remaining Americans who will not like unfriend you if we disagree politically. I <laughs> in fact, I'm really freaked out by this whole phenomenon like isn't that the point of the democracy is that we all have the same vote and then we talk about it. And then we decide what's the best thing to do. But if you if you guys don't want to talk about it with each other, you just want to talk to people who agree with you, that's messed up. <laughs> like we can't do it like that. That's gonna mess everything up. And then you can you can get your news, you can get uh actually I think this can happen to creatives as well, not just in a political sense, but these days you can kind of like um very easily like curate a whole set of information that will just sort of tell you, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, that's exactly right. And it's a dangerous, I think it's a dangerous place to put yourself. Why would you want to always be right? Yeah, but it's just like, say you, in in, in the U.S. anyway, you know, there's like a very far right-leaning entire news network that if you want to turn it on 24 hours a day, oh, yeah. it will basically tell you if you're very far to the right that you're correct if you're very far to the left you can watch that channel in fact they're right next to each other on the tv you can just go up or down a channel it makes me feel like thx or something it freaks me out and then meanwhile if somebody you know disagrees with you they put something up on facebook or whatever platform you're you're ingesting information on and they're on the other side of the argument and then people are like i can't believe you in an unfriending people and it's like uh okay why don't you just talk about why you disagree that's the whole point of us all having the same vote is because you could i just i don't know i mean i don't want to go into a rant about it but no rant on man this is interesting rant on i mean it's it's what people are talking about right now so it's not really a rant it's your opinion Um, so, hey, bro, uh, <laughs> in a truly amateur development, uh, my laptop died in the middle of that conversation, and I don't have my charger here at my house, it is at my office, and I have an old computer here, which, uh, as you saw, we, um, we could see each other, but we cannot hear each other. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's the end of the. I guess that's the end of the podcast. I'm sending you this message, hoping that you can use this as the end of the podcast. Anyway, it was great to talk to you, and thank you for asking me all those weird questions and letting us talk about weird stuff instead of like camera settings or something dumb like that. Uh, the point I was trying to make at the end there was that. Uh, in the same way that you can be isolated to just what you believe being reinforced in a political way, I think that you can be isolated in that same way as a creative, especially in the wedding industry, because there's like a bunch of blogs and 
and uh, media outlets within our industry that are like, it's great, it's great, it's great. And you can kind of end up getting tricked into believing that it's just the the marketing. Um, so anyway, the, if you're experiencing like a creative block in that way, what I was going to say is maybe switch channels and see what the other side of it has to say. Anyway, that's that last point that I was trying to get to, and I don't even know if that makes sense anymore, but uh, sorry that I blew it, and <laughs> I'll see you in Rome. I cannot wait. That's Brian Morrow, wedding photographer and presenter at Way Up North in Rome, April 2016. If you're interested in more details about SharkPig or about Way Up North, head over to our website, wayupnorth.co. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under at Way Up North, and on Twitter and Snapchat under at Way Up North event. Thanks for listening and talk soon. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Hi, folks. This is Rick Wilson from The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal. And I'm Molly Jongfast, a left-wing pundit and editor-at-large at The Daily Beast. I'm also an editor-at-large at The Daily Beast, a former Republican political strategist, best-selling author, and full-time troublemaker. Every Tuesday and Friday, we have fun, sharp conversations with people like Mary Trump, who revealed why her uncle is the worst president we've ever had. Or Ben Stiller on how the world of comedy is changing thanks to our political landscape. Tune in to The New Abnormal to hear us have fun conversations about a world gone mad. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.